Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans, by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Hello. It is very strange to be recording on a Wednesday. Yep. We're not straight off the adrenaline nope. and the excitement of a race. We're, we've got some time to digest, to consider not only the race, but the last, what, three weeks of insane silly season nonsense? We're a bit rusty from the silly season, I think. We've had the summer break and... Uh, that's kind of messed us up, but we're back. We're doing it. We're here. It has been very, very exciting. It's funny because I feel like so we recorded right after the final race before the um, the uh, summer break, and Hungarian I swear, I, maybe ten minutes after the race finished, everything just exploded. It was absolutely unreal. I mean, where do we even start? <laughs> We start with something else. We start with an important message. Okay. Before we get into silly season, all right? Got something important to talk about. So September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. For the fourth consecutive year, the Relay FM community is rallying together to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, finding cures and saving children. Since opening its doors in 1962, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital has grown in size and capabilities for one special reason. They believe that children all over the world deserve the same chance at survival. Treatments developed at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital have helped increase the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. While tremendous strides have been made, one in five children diagnosed in the U.S. will not survive. And globally, these numbers are shockingly reversed, with four in five children in some developing countries not surviving of childhood cancer. Limited access to high-quality, affordable medicines and the financial burden of research and care are hallmarks of the childhood cancer challenge that many countries face. We have been supporting St. Jude for many years here at Relay FM. Um, we were talking about this on our previous show, uh, The Test Drivers. Austin's been on uh, one of our podcast-a-thon streams. We're doing an eight-hour podcast-a-thon stream September Ooh. 16th, the fourth annual. Me and Stephen back together in Memphis uh, 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. But what I want the Backmarkers listeners to do is go to stjude.org slash relay, where you can do a couple of things. You can find out more about why we do this. You can donate some money to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. You can also sign up to fundraise yourself. So we have some, incent- some like uh, incentives that we're giving away for people that do this. If you raise $1 or more, you'll receive, receive an exclusive St. Jude limited edition of a Relay FM Challenge coin. If you raise $250 or more, we have a very unique desk mat of mine and Steven's cartoon heads. It's bananas. <laughs> I, I will have mine, I think, for our next stream. I'll be able to show it off uh, while we record. So go to stjude.org slash relay to donate, to find out more about fundraising, and to find out more about why St. Jude is so important. Let's cure childhood cancer together. Terrific, man. I'm not going to lie. I always love the launch of when, so when the, the whole month begins, you guys start hyping it, but mm-hmm. I always get really excited for the podcast-a-thon. That's always my favorite. That's always where I'm getting all hyped up and the donations are going left and right. That's yep. always my favorite part of the whole thing. So good luck. Hopefully it goes nice and smooth this year after the last couple of years. <laughs> Let's hope so. All right. Silly season. So I've been trying to keep a running tally in our show document of some of the things that have occurred since the last time we recorded. The first one, which is Sebastian Vettel retiring, feels like it happened last season at this point. It is wild, because he announced that right before the Hungarian Grand Prix, right? It was like the day or two before, um, which has caused a huge ripple effect, right? I don't think it's a huge surprise that Seb has decided to retire. You know, I mean, he's done uh, two seasons at Aston Martin now. I think that... Clearly, it has not been wildly successful. Um, and uh, like we spoke about last time, the mm-hmm. environment in the team probably doesn't seem particularly great, especially considering that one of the seats is permanently anchored by one Lance Stroll. So not a huge surprise. The set decided, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to go do some environmental stuff. I'm going to do stuff that makes me happy. He's got four championships in the bag. He's got quite literally a bag of cash in his closet. Like He's chilling. He's fine. But what I don't think anyone quite wrapped their heads around was how fast and how explosive that change would ripple throughout the paddock. So um, Alonso making a very bold decision immediately, really, to switch to Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. This is interesting 
So what we're going to do, I think, throughout this conversation, we're going to mix between, just because, I mean, we're both pretty plugged in, between things that are known and things that are rumored, like, and everyone's just going to have to work out on their own what part <laughs> of this is, right? Now, my understanding is that Fernando was not going to get the deal that he wanted from Alpine, right? Yes. Like, he wanted a multiple-year deal. Alpine didn't want a multiple-year deal because they wanted to put Piastri in the car. Mm-hmm. But they weren't going to do it this coming year, 2023 season. So Alonso was like, screw this. I'm going to go somewhere else is the expectation, right? So mm-hmm. he started kind of like shopping around. And it's unclear, but seems possible, that he knew Seb was going to retire. Maybe. Right, timeline-wise, right? Like it, it doesn't because there is this conversation because the next part is the Oscar Piastri part, right? Yeah. And so we'll just mention that. So I think actually for us to be able to talk about the rest of this, we need to first give the context for everything else. So Oscar Piastri, who is in the Alpine, was in the Alpine driver program, <laughs> was their reserve driver. So he was an F2, F3, like superstar. Yep. And he's Australian. And the expectation was he's going to get in there at some point and he is like a top-tier driver. I don't know a ton about Piastri except mm-hmm. for the fact that he did really bad in his season with Hurley Motorsport in F1 2022. <laughs> I got rid of him, by the way. I brought in Hulkenberg. Fantastic. Good move. Nico, Good move. Yeah, Nico was brilliant for me. He's been brilliant for me. Um, so Piastri, <laughs> he was then announced by Alpine. Mm-hmm. So Alpine announced Piastri is taking Alonso's seat. Yeah, Piastri woke up and said, "Nah, that ain't <laughs> happening." Uh, yeah, and <laughs> the expectation being that he was talking to McLaren yep. about taking Daniel Ricciardo's seat. Yep. Daniel Ricciardo has now been pushed out of McLaren. He's been yes. given a huge bag of cash and told to go on his merry way. Yep. So the reason I mention all of this is because there are, I've been reading suggestions that Alonso was aware at least of something that was going on and was mm. asked because of the McLaren because of Piastri's specific situation. There is a dispute around a contract, which as we're recording two days ago, there was a hearing about this contract. As we're recording, nothing has been released about whether. Alpine actually do have the right to put Piastri in a seat or not, or whether he can move elsewhere. Yeah. So it seems basically that like Alonso announcing on the exact day that he did mm-hmm. gave the ability for Piastri or to be uh, Piastri's representation to yeah. believe that the contract that he had with Alpine was no longer binding. So, uh, man, there's so much to unpack here. Um, so the official line, the way I understand it, is that uh, Aston did not know that Seb was going to bail. They expected him. They wanted him to stay. And he gave them very late notice. So supposedly, again, if you believe that everything was on the up and up, supposedly from the second that Seb announced that to the time that uh, Alonso was able to sign was only like three or four days. It was over the weekend. Like Alpine had no idea that Alonso was leaving. Uh, Supposedly Aston Martin really didn't know that Seb was leaving. And Alonso immediately grabbed that opportunity because like you said, what uh, Alonso was looking at probably a one-year extension and then kind of a retirement and like sports car racing or whatever, which I don't think is really what he wanted. He has been operating at a very high level, didn't want to really kind of get pushed out. Whereas on the Aston Martin side, they lose Seb. They immediately go to Alonso and go, hey, you know what? We need hmm. you. We'll give you a two or three-year contract. It's unclear, but I know it's at least multiple years. And basically, I'm sure a fat pile of cash to come in and to be at the very least a Seb replacement, if not potentially an upgrade over what Seb is sort of delivering for the team. So you can see why that's very tempting for Alonso. Yep. But then Alpine are like, oh, no. We lost Alonso. What's going on? They bring Piestri in, and Piestri's like, absolutely not. Because on the other side of this, and this is a little bit more into rumor town, but Piestri has been the reserve driver for Alpine this year. So, you know, he's doing all the testing and the simulator work and whatnot. And supposedly his contract was that if 
Alpine did not get him into a race seat, like signed into a race seat by, I believe it was August 1st, supposedly. Again, we don't actually know the contract, but supposedly then he would be a free agent. But no, and one that really didn't have it. to be an Alpine seat, right? They exactly. could have just helped him get in any car. Yes. And the heavy rumor was that he was going to take Latifi's seat at Williams, which you can understand why he was maybe not thrilled about that particular opportunity so him and his management team kind of doing some skullduggery in the background mark weber right is his agent which i am mostly confident i'm not entirely confident but i have heard that mark weber is also daniel ricardo's agent which um mm, little little sauce don't quote me on that but i've heard people say that so i'm not 100 percent positive but uh you can That's imagine not the guy who was in drive to survive like <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo had an agent in Drive to Survive, and it wasn't that guy's. So yeah, know. so I could be completely wrong on that. But I do know that Mark Webber is Piastri's agent. So regardless, a lot of shenanigans going on behind the scenes. But essentially where we're at right now is exactly that. Piastri is nebulously driving for someone, although clearly not Alpine at this point. seems pretty clear because I feel like the best Alpine could hope for is to try to get you know some money out of Piastri or whatever team he goes for or whatever because it seems like they're... They, they, from what we've seen, there's a pretty ironclad case that Piastri can get out of his contract. The contract recognition board kind of initially said that it was chill. Uh, McLaren clearly dropped Ricardo. Um, I don't think they were going to do that if they did not have a very strong inclination that they had a line on Piastri. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's, I think that Piastri is going to go to McLaren. Yeah. I just, and maybe Alpine believed this, but I think Alpine want to be compensated and I believe should be. Like, I think it's a bad precedent to set up the junior programs to be treated this way. Yeah. Right? Where like I'm I'm not saying that I, that Piastri did something bad here, but I think that if this kind of stuff's going to occur, the team that now benefit from that junior, yeah, deserves to pay to that other team at least something to try and compensate that time Mm -hmm. when something like this occurs because Alpine would like to offer him the seat now he doesn't want it which is which is fine that's his decision but I think if he is now going to take his efforts and go somewhere else this should now be a, like a negotiation between the teams yeah. for some kind of compensation. And I think this is different to a little bit like what, so Mick Schumacher mm-hmm. is rumored now to be departing the Ferrari driver program. Yep. Which would theoretically and make him a free agent, free agent starting next year because he is mm-hmm. not signed up to Haas for next year. Uh, so they have at least one vacancy and while has had a little bit of a glimmer of hope toward the beginning of the year, has quickly been sort of swallowed up by the, the rest of the field um, with their, the fact that they haven't really developed their car that much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I think season. the difference there with Mick is Ferrari are not putting him in a car yes. for a really long time, if ever. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's different with what's going on with Piastri. Yeah. And like, if Piastri's contract allows him to get out, then great. Like, yeah. he it's should go ahead world. and do that. But I do think that in that situation, considering that Alpine would like to make good on the agreement, I think that McLaren should then be going like, here's like $3 million. Yeah. Thanks very much. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you understand that like Alpine have spent an enormous amount of money investing in Piastri over the years, which, I mean, you know, that's the way that most junior drivers come up. They sort of get signed to like a driver academy mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, they're getting all this sort of experience. They're getting seat time and cars. Like, and know, the teams do it so they can lock those people in, right? Yes, absolutely. Too. But you got to imagine that while this is all very messy right now, um, I will be shocked if Piastri does not have the McLaren seat next year. Like, oh, I, it just oh, definitely, yeah. And whatever yeah. nonsense needs to be paid behind the scenes or whatever mm-hmm. the case is. But what that's also left. So you know, we know that the Aston Martin lineup is Alonso and is um, Lance, Stroll. which uh, for a minute it, it seemed like they were kind of going to argue about it a little bit, and then like, okay, whatever, you know, because this kind of immediately took priority. It seems like Piastri and Lando are going to be at McLaren, but that leaves a couple of big holes. So mm-hmm. one of which is, of course, at Alpine, which. Looking at the way that Alpine have been this year, that's a really very, very solid 
solid seat, you know? And there's been a little bit of rumors that, like, oh, maybe they're going to try to bring, like, Ricardo back or whatever since he did spend a couple of seasons at uh, Renault, which was, you know, of course, Alpine's sort of predecessor team. Um, but there's also some crazy stuff. Like, I've heard a lot of rumors that, you know, Alpine is trying very hard to get Pierre Gasly out of his contract. And as soon as you start busting contracts like that and start paying, like, it... This could potentially get much, much more ridiculous and crazy because we've got that. We've also got the half seat, which could be up for grabs. And very likely, um, we've got the uh, well, the Williams seat of Latifi mm-hmm. is almost certainly up for grabs. So uh, I don't think we've heard the last of this silly season, but just the, the last month has been incredibly exciting. And like just seeing the Piastri tweet of, I will not be driving for Alpine, was just like, what? So it was what? so good. It was such a great day on F1 Twitter. Yeah. Like, cause then was it like the next day uh, when um, Albon did like a tweet yeah. in the same vein? <laughs> of, like, I can confirm, I will be, because he did actually re-sign at Williams, which I'm really yeah. happy about, because he's having a he's having a great little run at the moment. Yeah, he had a great race this weekend. Question for you then. Yep. Because there's still one more thing we've got to get to, which is not driver related. But yeah. I want to talk about Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Do you think Daniel Ricciardo is in F1 in 2023? I mean, that's the question, isn't it? I think yes. Okay. If he is really serious. So he said something like, you know, you know, they've already announced officially that he's leaving McLaren. And he said something to the effect of like, oh, I want to get through this triple header. I want to make a, you know, a rash, you know, emotional decision. I want to make sure, you know, my head's right. But he has made it very clear that his strong preference is to remain in Formula One, which fair enough, right? He's had a rough couple of years, but there's still certainly flashes of greatness. Um, I think he would be a good fit for either the Williams or the Haas seat. I do think that that is really his only option at this point. I don't see anything else. Alpine is an outside shot. If they really can't get someone else, and again, it's not really clear exactly who they would pull, but I mean, for all I know, Alpine might want Schumacher instead because they've already had time with Danny Rick. He left. It was kind of under less than ideal circumstances. My gut is that yes, but I think he's going to end up at one of the bottom teams. What do you think? Is he here? Is he going to take a year off? Because he is free. Uh, he did say he is free to race next year. So with the McLaren whole payoff situation. Yeah. I'm not convinced he'll have a seat next year. Yeah. If he does, I think it's Haas. Yeah. And I, and I actually think Haas might be his only option, realistically. Because yeah. Williams have this guy, what is his name? I can't remember his name. He's in F2 right now, mm-hmm. and he's doing really good. Oh, uh, Sergeant. And he's in Logan Sergeant, right? Yeah. He is in Williams' driver program. Yeah. So there is something to be said for like, hey, why don't we actually try and build our own talent instead yeah. of needing to get people on loan or whatever? So I think that might be where Williams will go. I think Haas might benefit. I thinking honestly, Kevin Magnuson, mm-hmm. Daniel Ricciardo, that's a pretty good lineup for Haas, right? Yeah, like, I agree. I, I think that could be really interesting. I think Alpine. I don't really get the Pierre Gasly thing, honestly. Like, French. I know French. how great. No, no, I know. Okay, obviously, <laughs> I understand how happy they would be to have a French team with two French drivers. I just cannot imagine under any circumstances Red Bull being cool with that. Well, you say that, um, but clearly Pierre does not really have a great future with the team. You know, uh, there were and, a lot of and rumors. who goes in next year in AlphaTauri? I mean, they haven't even confirmed Yuki yet. That is true, and I don't. I mean, they have some juniors. I don't know if anyone is really ready. So, look, I know that they're not going to be excited about it, but I also don't think it's the world's craziest idea. I really don't because it's one of those things. I where just a big, a big enough they, check, a big enough check. We'll solve Red Bull, though, do they need that? They don't but, need that. But the thing is, they don't really need like. Alpha Tauri is their sister team, but it's like clearly their junior, like sort of B squad team, right? If they can get a giant fat pile of cash and just throw another junior in there to give them a try for a year, why wouldn't they do it? They know that Pierre, they're going to lose Pierre next year anyway, right? So it's just like, is having Pierre for one year versus no years at all really worth that much if Alpine are willing to write such a big check to take him? Obviously, this is pure speculation. We have no idea. But, yeah, but I, like if they want a junior that bad, don't re-sign Yuki. Well, yeah, but... Uh, Which I, mean, I don't again, want is, to happen, by the way. I want Yuki to be. 
I, I agree. I do want to see Yuki again, but I just don't think it's the world's craziest idea. If Alpine want to shell out for him, I think getting Pierre out of his contract a year early could make a lot of sense. By that same token, uh, Alpine could do the same thing. They could just put a junior in the seat for a year just as a sort of a seat warmer for Pierre to come out next year or something. But I do feel like Pierre has a super, super strong sort of eye on that Alpine seat either for next year or for 2024. But man, it's spicy. <laughs> yeah, we still... like. It's so strange, right? Like the stuff in Formula One. We're like, we're only, we're like just over halfway. And then you've got all these people that are just like, I'm, I'm not here next year. Like, yeah, but yeah. I'm going to keep going, right? Like it's such a strange headspace that some of these guys must get in when they're in this situation. It's very weird. Last thing. As if that was not Audi. enough. <laughs> yeah. Audi have confirmed they will be making F1 power units from the 2026 regulation change. Yeah. So there is a bunch of regulation changes. I think there's some in 2023, right? Smaller stuff. Yeah, I, I believe. believe. It's, it's, it's small stuff. I think it's really... The regulations, I would assume, are going to be relatively stable between now and 2026. Uh, likely some car changes here and there, but I think 2026 yeah. is the time where the engines are going to be majorly overhauled with much more of a focus on the electrification side, although they will still be turbo hybrid, but they're getting rid of some of the more complex components. Is it renewable fuel too? Like they're, Correct. they're going for a more renewable fuel? Yeah, renewable fuel. Because I think 20, I mean, between now and 26, it's going to be refinements on the 22 car yeah. design yeah. and then 26 there there is I, I believe changes to the car the chassis yeah as well as the biggest thing being the engines right? yes like, yeah you know. my, my thought would be that we're probably going to see like some kind of like medium tweak of these cars in like two three years like halfway through the cycle and probably another like medium tweak in 2026 but it seems like the big deal in 2026 is going to be more so on the engine side um, they've talked a lot about they want it to be more raceable blah 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 but clearly the 2022 regs have been very very helpful so it's a brand new time for manufacturers to get on board um, clearly Audi have already sort of thrown their hat into the ring as a power unit uh, manufacturer and they're totally gonna end up buying most of sauber and kick alfa romeo out <clears throat> but on no, top of that they're not kicking alfa romeo out well they've they're so, alfred bailing <laughs> yes so <laughs> the next part of this so you've got so audi have said we will make engines from 2026 we will be an engine supplier so i guess maybe they're hoping they can try and snag someone right yeah. as well as as well as the bigger plan it seems is that they will become the title sponsor of sauber and Sa alfa romeo has already announced that at the end of 2023 they are no they are ending their relationship with salva i have a question for you that i don't know if you can answer yeah why are they called alfa romeo the team so Sauber has been one of the independents in Formula One for 20, 25 years, mm -hmm. for quite, quite some time. Um, and they have kind of had relationships like they, uh, I believe they had a type with BMW in the 2000s. Um, but uh, they've been largely independent that whole time. Now, Alfa Romeo basically bought in as a title sponsor. So even though the team is called Alfa Romeo it's not a true works team right the way that Alpine is right. or that Mercedes or something because so, this is like why are Red Bull not called Oracle Racing yeah you're exactly because that's a sponsor right? this is like but they're sponsor. the title sponsor because they are Red Bull Oracle or like yes. Mercedes Petronas so I'm just what is so specific about Sauber that they actually give the naming rights away of their team completely an extra zero on the check <laughs> Okay, cool. I was just checking like that. It wasn't more than that. Like I got a little bit. Well, it was a confused. little bit because Sauber are also using Ferrari power units, and obviously Ferrari and Alfa are all under the same sort of Stellantis umbrella. So I believe that there were a few things there, and obviously that was when you know Leclerc came into Formula One, and that was his seat for I think the first year he was in. So I, I think about it as like I think a sponsor plus like a title sponsor plus kind of arrangement. But the Sauber team has remained largely independent as far as the running and stuff they basically just sold the name of their team essentially and so i think it makes a lot of sense for audi to come in and scoop up that team uh the rumor is something like they're going to buy like something like 80 percent of sauber and turn it into a full works team but right now they've just announced being an engine supplier but uh come on we, we know we, we know well, where this they, is going. they have announced their own engine supplier but not that they haven't said who their customers are exactly and so yeah it seems like i mean i wouldn't be surprised if in 2024 they become the yep. title sponsor. 
and start the program because what what, what on earth would Salba do for three years? <laughs> totally. <laughs> right, what yeah. are they going to do, right? Yeah. So you've got to assume, uh, my, my assumption is they will become Audi yeah. racing yeah. in 2024. Yeah. And then by 2026, they are no longer using the Ferrari engine. They will be using an Audi engine. Yes, yes, absolutely. But then the next part is Porsche, right? <laughs> because it's also rumored that Porsche will be an engine supplier, even though they are the same company, right? Yes, or they're owned by the Volkswagen Group, but they are yeah. kind of separate divisions. But yes, they are all part of the same corporate umbrella. <laughs> but okay so the thing with the porsche thing though it's a little different just because they're almost certainly working with red bull powertrains right which is essentially what honda That's the expectation somebody has to well yeah red bull said they were going to go out and do it on their own right and but, they are but uh but, probably with a giant pile of porsche money behind them because right now they've taken a lot of that sort of honda backbone they're building the facility in milton Keynes, right next to the main red bull factory and the heavy expectation, in fact, uh, there was a leaked regulatory filing in Morocco saying that uh, Porsche is potentially going to buy 50% of Red Bull Racing, period. So not just the engine side, like the actual team. So, so we'll they will see. probably become Porsche Red Bull, right? I would be shocked if they're not Porsche Red Bull. I mean, it's, it's essentially an open secret at this point, uh, which like makes that. sense. That sounds good. It does. And also you can There's imagine, something about that. Uh, yeah. and I'm, I feel like something might, that might make you really happy. Uh, fast forward to 2025, 2026, Porsche is now you know, a 50% stakeholder in Red Bull. You got to imagine there might be some high up personnel changes uh, that might have been, oh, I don't know, a decade overdue. I doubt it. Oh, no, I doubt it. Mm. Uh, no. If you're Porsche buying into Red Bull... Would you get rid of what will probably be a two, three-time world champion team principal? I mean, do you think that Porsche are going to have the patience to deal with Helmut and Christian? Do you think that the 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 button-down German team are going to deal man. with with Christian saying all these ridiculous things in interviews and know. on Drive to Survive? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But as I think long it's going to get they're spicy. winning. As long I mean, as they're winning, like what you buy into a winning team and get rid of the formula. But I will say this made me think. Well, I was thinking about this yesterday because I couldn't watch the race live. That's why yeah. we had to um, postpone the episode. Mm -hmm. But so I watched the highlights last night, which was like uh, the highlight package. Like yeah. it's like a forty-five minute highlight thing. And just watching, and we'll talk about <laughs> the race in a bit more. Just watching Max right doing this thing. Yep. I don't think. Personally, maybe this is my bias. I don't necessarily think he's going to do like what Lewis did. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a reason for this. I think he is going to be absolutely dominant until 2025, 2026 or whatever. And that could shake his dominance is this new engine. You think that would be my concern. That's a bold. You think Max is just locked in. You think the next four or five years, just max time all the time. Um, no, not, I don't think he's going to win four years in a row. Oh, but, but you I think, think he'll be on top, basically. He will be as close to top as you could be, right? Yeah. And I think we'll see two more, maybe, world championship runs, mm -hmm. like like actual world championships, at least, for Max Verstappen. Yeah. yeah. If I was him, I would be worried about this engine change. Yeah, it's a long time, though, man. I feel it's a long, it's long time. But... Uh, when do Honda actually leave? Isn't it this year? Technically, they're already gone, but they're like supporting and they're doing some like they're doing the the maintenance and like it's it's a little nebulous. Technically, it's now Red Bull Racing powertrain, but Honda are still essentially just sort of keeping the engines running and maybe even I think assembling them Keep at the, the, the factory. <laughs> so, but and it's changing though, right? Like there's like a staged thing. I think 2023 they're doing something where that it's becoming Red Bull powertrain. It is already Red Bull powertrain right now. So it technically, is now? Okay. on the entry listing, it is showing as a Red Bull powertrain powertrain, even though it's it's Honda and everything but name essentially at this point. Okay. It's, the Honda deal has clearly been very chaotic for them on the way out. I right. think they have given up everything and gotten nothing out of it, and Red Bull have huh. reaped all of the rewards. But so basically, I'm not necessarily saying that it is going to spell the end of a potential Max Verstappen dominance. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I think that's the only thing that would. Maybe, maybe let's talk about this. 
when we uh, discuss the race. No. I have I have some thoughts. All right, shall we pit? I'm I'm ready to go for right. an aggressive two stops. I mean, no double, double stack, stack strategy. We're gonna double, double stack. stack it. All right, is everyone ready? Mike, you got some water. You got you yep. got loosened up. You you did your stretches this morning. You got your wheel guns ready to not jam. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready, set, and go. This episode of The Back Marcus is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and often paying too much money with big wireless providers, it's no wonder we're skeptical about new deals. So when you learn Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month, you might wonder, what's the catch? But once you learn about them and their service, it makes sense. There isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret source is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying one for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And what's great is you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with all your existing contacts. So it's as easy as switching to Mint Mobile and getting premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. And as Austin's mentioned before, they just send that package to you. You just pop out your old SIM, put in your new one, activate it, easy to go, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's super seamless. And like we've talked about many times, because Mint has been a terrific sponsor over the years, it is not only seamless, but also it is a no-brainer. You are going to save money almost certainly based on switching over. You get the same service, same coverage, everything like that. Like It really, really does make sense. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. That's mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash backmarkers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Time. <laughs> Mike, can you see this? 142.87. The last oh. time was 142.84. Uh, look, oh. I, I, I maybe took a little bit of time of mine. I've, I, I'll take the L on that one. I could have been a little bit more succinct because you were very crisp. Your, 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 your tire we change had an issue with the front left. Yeah, yeah. My, my gun got stuck for just one second. So one forty-two point eight seven. We have another. We have another repeat sponsor here now, which is Trade. And so I'm going to see if I can beat this time. Okay. So right. the car's coming back in. You got the wheels. You got everything ready to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready to go. Three. Two, one, go. This episode of The Back Markers is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Every day is precious, and we should all make the most of every single one. They shouldn't start with mediocre grocery store coffee. You deserve to start your day with the best coffee you can make for yourself at home from Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the U.S. directly to your home on your preferred schedule. Your trade experience can be as simple or sophisticated as you want. If you know what you're looking for already, you can quickly select from a curated collection from roast, flavor profile, brewing method, and more. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Or if you want something curated just for you, then take a minute and complete Trade's coffee questionnaire and you'll be perfectly matched from an expert uh, profile with your perfect coffee and fresh bag of beans they'll be on the way to you i think that this quiz is super awesome it's very very simple to fill out they don't ask you a bunch of questions that are really complicated and then you get excellent coffee i have been so happy with everything trader sent me Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh just when you need it. And you've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash backmarkers. That's drinktrade.com slash backmarkers for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the US. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for their support of this show and Relay FM. Time 146.32. Ah, that was that less than a stops today. I was less than a second off. Look, in a minute 45 versus a minute 46, that's pretty close. Um, mm. I'm, I wasn't going to say anything during the ad spot, but also trade is delicious. And you're totally right about that quiz. I love how fast it was because, like, I like coffee, but I'm definitely like, I'm not as sophisticated as I should. Mm-hmm. So, 
but terrific. I like that, that it's both. They offer for, for those that know what they want and yep. those that need help. That's yep. what I like. I went through and I was like, uh, I don't know, help me out. And they're like, sure, we got you, we got you. And everything mm-hmm. has been really, really solid. All right. I don't think it's up yet, but soon there's, there is a, this is no joke, there is a Mike Hurley curated collection <gasps> that's going to be on trade of the stuff Yo! that I like. Yo! Yeah, it's pretty cool. All so right, I'm going to order the mic. the mic. <laughs> oh, it's there now. It's is there it really? now. Yeah. Oh, yo, yeah. okay. Okay, well, we got to add that to the next ad spot then. The Mike Hurley uh-huh. collection? Oh, Come on. Either. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually right now, it's the Backpacks collection. So maybe they did it for. for is it really? Both of you. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, incredible. Cool. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm very excited. Okay, we'll talk about it after the show. We'll talk about it after the show. We got to okay. get, get back on the road. We're getting a little distracted right. by, by everything. Um, Spa. Yes. That was, uh, it was a race that happened mm-hmm. uh, that was very everyone exciting. took penalties up and down the field penalties left right and center everyone replaced their entire cars interesting right <laughs> yeah well i mean it does make sense because you know during the uh you know the off season or the the mid-season break there's a lot of development going on also spa is a track which a is very very sort of demanding on power units so you want to have as many horsepower as you can and it's a track which is pretty easy to pass on so I think it was a little bit of a unique sort of mix of factors that made it a very, very mm-hmm. good place to take a penalty like this. But yeah, I mean, it was uh, six, seven vehicles that all took uh, penalties of various states. Uh, even I know a couple people who didn't take it during qualifying, like uh, Pierre, I think, started from the pit lane because they had some electrical stuff. But mm-hmm. tons and tons of people um, were, were making... Uh, well, Most importantly, Max yeah. and Charles. Yes, right? yes. So it was really... Interesting uh, through qualifying because Max smashed it, right? He was absolutely ridiculously fast all weekend. Clearly got pole, but it didn't really matter because, you know, he's still starting from like, I think, 14th or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know a lot of people are a little bit complaining about the fact that there's so many penalties. But if you're going to take a penalty at any point throughout the entire year, Spa is probably the place to do it. So I don't think it's like a regular kind of thing. But My issue with the penalty system in its current iteration is the way that they apply them and how nonsensical it becomes. Yeah. Like, I think it was at least one of either Science or Verstappen, they had like a 40-place penalty because of all the things that they're doing. Well, there's only <laughs> 20 places on the grid, so like, what? You know, like, I feel like, just make it more simple, you yeah. know? Like, because if, if they can stack the amount of repairs that they want to do on the car... If you think that's worth 40 places, then penalize them in two races. You know what? Like, it's just, or just say, if you do this, you go to the back of the grid. Like, just simplify it more, I think. Well, because I think right now, if you're going to take a penalty for one thing, you might as well just change all the parts you can because you've already been penalized. And that way you have those parts in your sort of allotment so you can use them later in the year. Yeah, it's a little weird. So that feels like an unfair advantage that all teams take at that point if you're going to have this system. So I feel like if you want this system where you apply penalties to specific parts, then they should should roll over, I feel like. Or, which I wouldn't actually like that, but that's kind of how I approach it with what they're providing us. It's a little too complicated. Otherwise, just say like, Anything that you do within any of these, you just go to the back of the grid. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a lot simpler. But there's like different tiers. Uh, It's like certain things are less minor, so it's 10 plays, blah, blah, blah. But regardless, I think it was a... how should we say? Uh, An interesting race. I think a very exciting race. Mostly because Max blasted by everyone and just left everyone absolutely yep. behind uh, started he 14th and won it and just won it by 17 seconds over sergio he he was clearly not pushing like he had a huge gap i mean it was less than halfway through the race when he was already dominating and well into the lead right i mean it's just one of those things where red bull took a huge step this weekend to the point where i think everyone especially ferrari are like what I mean, there's certainly an argument to be made that this was a track that was uniquely well-suited to the Red Bull. Um, You know, there's certain things with, like, ride heights and whatnot. You know, you've got, like, several corners, several kind of parts of the track where you do need more ride height because you're going to bottom out the car. So a lot of things that sort of really were leaning into Red Bull's favor. But the speed of both the Red Bulls, but really of Max, was unbelievable. Like, this was one of the most dominant races that... I have, I think, ever watched. And that includes a lot of those Mercedes drives, a lot of those Red Bull drives. Like, it was ridiculous at how. How easy far in front would he have been if he started first? I, he would have lapped the field. 
I, I honestly, I mean, if, if it he was looks trying, like it, right? Yeah, yeah. It He's was he was 17 seconds ahead of his own teammate. Yeah, who started also, second? Like, <laughs> yeah, that kind of like this isn't the first time we've seen this, right? But yeah. like, I, I feel like I can't get my head around. How can Max be 18 seconds faster than Sergio? Well, the thing is, though, so the way that Spa is, I mean, it requires a lot of commitment, a lot. Like, you've got to be one with that car. And we've seen that Max has right. enormous commitment, enormous confidence, whereas Sergio is a good driver, you know, friend of the show, friend of the podcast, but... Um, <laughs> Clearly not. Look, I don't, I don't want to upset the podcast Sergio, didn't right? exist at that point, I but nevertheless. <laughs> regardless, uh, great friend uh, and our number one fan. Great course. friend, great friend, um, great friend. But I, I just don't think that anyone but Max can really live with that, or at least certainly compared to, to Checo, right? Checo does a good job, but like, it's just the amount of time that Max was making up by committing, carrying so much speed, being right on the knife edge, lap after lap after lap, is incredible, right? I mean, mm, it's easy mm. to say, you know, when you look back on the older days and you see, you know, like legends like Schumacher and Senna and, you know, you see what they were able to do. And I think it is really hard not to argue that Max is not very quickly joining those kind of ranks when you oh, see definitely. the performances, right? It's just, it's like we're experiencing what I think is the greatest driver on the grid right now. I think Max is driving on a different level than anyone else, really, a more consistent level. He is obviously paired with the best car he is operating at the top of his game it might not be the most exciting thing to see him dominating the season which he has very clearly dominated i mean it's basically a foregone conclusion uh, conclusion already that max has won this championship right i mean he can take a few weeks off and still easily win but yeah, no one can catch him now well technically someone can catch him but realistically no one can catch him yes if he shows up right. every week and i don't know pays any attention at all, he wins this championship, right? Like, it's not mm -hmm. particularly close. But I think it's one of those things where it's just, I want to just try to appreciate how cool it is to see this dominance, but also uh, I expect all the shenanigans to start and people will be like, Red Bull are cheating, Red Bull are going too fast, Max needs to well, I mean, have 20 pounds of lead weight in the back of his car to make it even, I don't know. <laughs> it was very clear this time that, you know, Max Verstappen destroyed Charles Leclerc. Like, do you see that video? Oh, so yeah. <laughs> Charles Leclerc had to pit very early because, like, his front his front right was on fire. Yeah, and it turns out that it what appears to have happened is one of the tear offs, the plastic things that they tear off the helmets and let go, went from went into Charles' car. It was Max that did it. Is what the F one social media team seems to have uncovered, <laughs> which is just like a really hilarious thing. I thought I had heard. Yeah, that you're only allowed to do that on certain parts of the track. When there aren't cars around you. Oh, interesting. I do now, not I thought know. that I'd heard this. If that's not a rule, it should be a rule. Because if there's cars around you and it can go in the car, yeah. and therefore force you to pit, like that needs to I think there needs to be some kind of consideration on that. But right. anyway, going back to what what you were saying about Max and Rebel right now. Yeah. I think the big problem with this season is Red Bull do not have actual competition. Like, Max does not have actual competition, which I think is different to prior seasons. I think Mercedes are the problem here. Like, if if anybody wants to say this season is boring, they should point and say it's Mercedes' fault because they should be at their previous level. They messed up big time. Yep. And so now Red Bull's running away with it because Ferrari, God love them, can't do it. They can't do it. Right, the like, is, the they can have the car, <laughs> they can have the drivers, but there's just something in the middle, and they just can't make it work. Where like that's like where Mercedes' issue right now is they don't have the car, they have the team, they have the drivers, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they have because the they are just pulling everything out of this setup that they've got, right? Like looking at the order this week like considering how poor the car seemed in qualifying and in free practice again the fact that george split the ferraris terrific and really right came close to overhauling carlos right i mean if he yeah, didn't have that one could, wobble nearly yep yeah um, and so like you know there's there's just ferrari's just not got the stuff yeah. right now yeah and i think so that's i think that's why we're seeing that is that's not why we're seeing Red Bull at the top, but it's why we're seeing Red Bull's dominance, I think, yeah. because they do not have 
their actual real challenger to challenge them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's clear that Adrian Newey and the Red Bull team absolutely smashed it this year with the car. And after the last season, they're very sharp as a team, right? Which I think is really where Ferrari's kind of been let down. That they kind of seem like they haven't been in a really intense title competition in a while. And I mean, I think they've had their sort of structural issues basically forever. Um, And so it's one of these things where Red Bull has literally everything going for them. Terrific car, great engine, excellent driver, just a super sharp team. I mean, it's it's like the dream team. It's the perfect package. And I think that's why we're seeing such dominance. Whereas Ferrari have been, I mean, I would say this is almost the only weekend of the year where Red Bull were clearly just way faster, right? I think mm-hmm. there's always been like, yes, they've been very fast, but Ferrari's usually been in the conversation. This week, Ferrari did not have a chance, right? When Max can start from 14th and finish 27 seconds ahead of the lead Ferrari, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's that's saying something. Like, uh it's, it's wild. if next year, if Mercedes can actually do what they need to do, yeah, George and Lewis can't be touched, in my opinion. Like the two of them together, like I think it's going to be. We will see a lot of one twos, two threes from them. It will be like Lewis and Valtteri. I mean, but I think it, better if you give them a car which is far superior. If you give them a car which is on equal footing with the Red Bull, I, I think Max is absolutely right in there. I I, I, I don't know, man. I just he's Max, in there, he's Ma- in there. But what I'm saying is the team's dominance, because yes. I don't think Red Bull as a team will remain as dominant. It's, I mean, you say that. I mean, the last couple of formula sort of changes we had, you know, and you know, sort of the the V8 era of Red Bull just dominating, dominating, dominating. Then we switched to the turbo hybrid. Mercedes dominated the whole time. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a guarantee here, but I do think there's really something to be said about if you start off with this new sort of vehicle and you're doing really well, it's almost like the odds are that you're going to hold that momentum and continue to stretch Mm. that lead out because think about it red bull are clearly still developing this car but they already have this one figured out they're working on the next year's car you know that they are Mm -hmm. whereas it feels like ferrari especially mercedes are like oh god we got to fix this one before we can even think about the next one because we don't know what's going on i'm not saying it's going to happen i'm saying if right like i'm saying like if mercedes were able to pull out a good enough car i think I believe that they have the strongest pair. We spoke about this on the show in the past. Yeah. I think that George and Lewis are the strongest pairing for like matching yeah. each other on the grid um, right now. And so I agree. I agree. You know, it's wild, man. Lewis, uh, do you know? Let's do. Let's go through our little bits that we do because yeah, we can talk about some of the right. Yeah. Uh, favorite back marker of the race. I want to say there's just one of my favorite races uh, points this entire race. Yeah. Was I think it was on lap one or two. Yeah. Lance Stroll took a corner, went into the gravel, power slides across the gravel and saves it. I do not know how he did that. <laughs> and so, like, for me, Lance Stroll is my back marker of the race because that was an absurd move that he able <laughs> was able to control that. I don't know how he did it. I don't I still I, I don't know how he did it. So he, he gets it from me. Man, uh, I got to give it to our boy Albon. Technically, I know, not a backmarker, P10, blah, blah, blah. But, like, uh, he Instagrammed after the race a photo of his car photoshopped to be the full width of the track. And I've never liked a photo harder. <laughs> I didn't see that. It, it's amazing. Oh, I didn't think I'd see that. Absolutely amazing. I mean, the fact is that Williams was the fastest in a straight line, but kind of bad elsewhere. And he executed a perfect strategy, early stops, basically kept as many people who weren't like Max. Yeah, that photo is absolutely... <laughs> I'm showing it on the video, but go find Alex's uh, his Instagram. That's hilarious. It's yeah, he had a fantastic race, right? But, yep. And, and I, don't, I don't doubt you there at all, but there was just that, that moment from Lance Stroll was just like, I don't know. I, it really impressed me. I just thought it looked really cool. And yeah. I was very, I just thought it was awesome. How about uh, underperformer of the race? Oh, come on, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, man. What are you doing? Oh, that was, I was so annoyed. Yeah. So annoyed by that. <sighs> I mean, look. So annoyed by it. Mistakes happen. I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was, right? Like, yeah. That's, you I know. Just, I, I, the only good thing I could say about it is that it was clearly Lewis's fault and Lewis is the one who paid the price. I know Fernando was carrying some damage, but clearly it didn't seem to hurt him that much. So no, he was fine. It sort of netted out fine. Uh, some but of the let's nasty- be real. Like, Fernando, what he came in, he came in five, fifth after the class penalty. I don't think he was going to get higher than that. 
Like Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like Lewis messed up. Lewis paid the price. Uh, yep. uh, fair enough. Right. Which is the best way. Right. Like that's yep. how I always want that stuff to go down. Yeah. Yeah. That like if you, you know, this is this sport. So much of it is just about searching for those spots. And Lewis mm-hmm. went for it and he said like he just didn't. He didn't just Al- Alonso was in his blind spot, but he should never gone for it. And yeah. Because he did. He paid the price big time. And yeah. Whereas like I was just really annoyed by it. It just it just frustrated me a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Latifi um, looping it uh, by himself and taking Valtteri out was really unfortunate. I, I think that that's like yet another example of like, man, I <sighs> that one frustrated me more. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Because I, I will say, I think it was Ocon got out of the way of that, and I don't know how he reacted so fast. Ocon had an like that was incredible. Race. Oh yeah, yeah like, what like my favorite thing of the race. We'll swing back around to Lewis again. My favorite yeah. thing of the race, there was a moment of racing between Vettel, Ocon, and Gasly, some of the best racing I've seen this season. Absolutely. It was incredible to watch the three of them go against each other. It was, yeah, so good. Ocon made, I think, a couple of absolutely amazing moves, you know, where he's just picking mm. up, you know, two cars in one corner, two cars in two corners, like crazy, crazy. And it's super, you know, committed confident kind of stuff like terrific drive from Alcon. um but yeah i mean uh for me i i'm gonna lean a little bit more to toward latifi for my underperformer just because man get out of f1 i i know that seems mean yeah. i know that like but like just dude this is not working like this is just like, not look, working what lewis did was bad yeah uh but it's everyone bashes into people all the time. But yeah. this is just like this is just what Latifi is known for at this point. Exactly right. right? And like, that, yeah, you yeah. you haven't got yeah, yeah. exactly right. Like you can look at Lewis and like, oh, he has done something dumb like this once in what 30, 40, 50 races. Latifi, uh, what? It's been a week since he had his last thing or whatever. Like it's just. I, whatever uh i don't get into it it's, it's gonna upset me but yes i think latifi is the thing but yeah i actually will agree with you though on like my favorite part of the race i mean it was great to see max slice through the field i was a little sad that he like got all the way to the lead at like lap 17 or whatever it was but yeah i think there was good i mean drs is a little bit strong but there was some terrific moves throughout the race but especially Alcon just blasting by everyone especially because we have to remember he started uh the back of the grid or at least he had you know his penalties and the fact that he Mm -hmm. came all the way forward and finished seventh which doesn't sound super impressive but considering where he came from super super impressive that was very super 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 good race yeah um it was something i just wanted to touch on real quick that um like the alonso lewis thing Mm -hmm. like alonso super mad right oh yeah right super mad on the uh, the radio and like made like made this comment about Lewis of like he doesn't know how to drive unless he's uh, a second ahead and in front. Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, Alonso gave a like he was talking afterwards and said like I don't and I actually agree with him. He says I don't think everything we say on the radio should be broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like in that moment, he's angry. Yeah. Right. Because he's now think like not only is Lewis smashed into him, he's now like, is my race over as well? Yep. And so he said something nasty about Lewis, right? Yeah. But afterwards, it's like when he's calmed down, you know, he's like, look, it was a stupid thing that happened, but it was a mistake. It was like a racing mistake. Yeah. And like Lewis paid the price for it, right? Like he, he was out and I carried on. And it's like, I, I, I don't think that all of this stuff should necessarily be listenable. Because, like, he says, I am talking to my mechanics. Yeah. I'm talking to my engineers, right? Yeah. Hear them so, yeah, it was just this little thing where I was like, because then it becomes this whole thing. It was like, oh, drama. Oh, well. it's just like, I just think it's, it's stupid. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, it's like, you know, in a lot of sport, uh, you know, these are elite athletes, uh, you know, they're heat of the moment, you know, some crazy thing just went down. I, I think almost anyone could be forgiven for saying some, some things in the moment. But that being said, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's it's tough. I, I, especially someone like Alonzo who has been through, oh, I don't know, 20 seasons, should probably know to keep his finger off the radio button when he's mad. Like, I just probably a good idea to... Just yell it to yourself in the helmet without the the radio button. But yeah, regardless. Well, one of I mean, like it's it's something he said at the end of him. You know what I mean? So like, it's not like he he fired up the radio to start ranting. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're like, <laughs> like talking Sherlock. to him, checking he's okay. You know. I, love so, I, I just think it's weird. 
Hello, Sherlock in the comments. Uh, Alonzo went for a Twitter rant on the radio. Could not yeah. agree more. <laughs> but the difference being, like, the Twitter rant is a thing you're choosing to tell everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's more like he went on an iMessage rant. On the <laughs> a WhatsApp rant? Yeah, because he's like, he's having that conversation with yeah. someone. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. Driver today, Max Verstappen, Max no Verstappen. argument. Yeah, like, I mean, I think you could make a small argument for Alcon that I think he did a terrific job, but like, it's Max, a small argument. <laughs> small, <laughs> right? like, small argument. In any yeah. other race, uh, like, if Max would have started, like, you know, P1 or P2, I would have actually said Alcon. But the fact of that course. Max came all the way through the field, uh, and I think one of the things that was also really impressive about that drive was how effortless it looked, right? Like, he was yeah. making clean passes, he wasn't hyper aggressive. No like, he looked like he had DRS when he didn't have DRS. It was yeah. just yeah, unbelievable. Like, he just, yeah. he, it was a really, it was a world champion kind of drive where he wasn't mm-hmm. overcooking it. He was managing it. Like, everything was under control at all times. He got a little testy at Checo for not letting him buy for, like, one lap. That was it. Like, nothing else even phased him remotely. Um, yep. It was effortless. I, I, I Truly it's one of the most calm, dominant. Controlled. It looked like he was out for a Sunday drive. It was nothing to him. Yep. World champion. World champion, man. I mean, world champion. Two times and probably won't be the last. We're going to the worst race in the Canada next, uh, this weekend. What? The orange smoke. I can't stand it. Wow. I can't stand it. Afraid to say that's not going to go anywhere. It annoys me so much. It annoys me so much, the orange smoke. And it's going to be. You will not be able to see the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're definitely right. You're not going to be able to I, see it. They should ban it. <laughs> if, I d- you I don't know. Tickets, if you bought tickets yeah. for the race this weekend, get a refund because you're going to miss the first five laps just looking at smoke. <laughs> yeah, and the last and the middle, anytime he goes by, like I just, I, I don't know why they allow it. Like it shouldn't Actually, yeah. be allowed. I agree because it actually is like enough where like it rolls onto the track to the point where it does yeah. actually cause a problem. Like I know it's a very yeah. festive kind of thing, but you're right. It is actually kind of weird. That, but I mean, what are they going to do? Search everyone for? Actually, no, they're flares. Well, they're not searching hard. for other stuff. Yeah, I actually, bet they search for alcohol, right? Like, <laughs> oh, so apparently Sherlock in the comments is saying that they've banned it, but it's smuggled in. I don't know, man. I don't know. I've never smuggled. But then they're not policing it properly because yeah. it, if that's the case, then. Anything could happen at an F1 race, right? Yeah. So yeah. they've got to, They've got to get rid of it. They have to get rid of it. They yeah. have to find a way. There's, yeah, people are telling us in the chat now it wasn't allowed. I'm sure it wasn't. They've got to do something better about this, right? Because yeah. I, I think it is becoming a safety risk at this point for the drivers. And also as a viewer, I just don't want to look at an orange tint on the screen. <laughs> you you prefer a, a silver, so, some silver smoke going by maybe? Some, All some... I'm going to say is it's only <laughs> ever one color. Very true. Very, very. You true. don't see red. You don't see red smoke. You don't well, see silver smoke. You, you don't see, see blue smoke. Red. You see a little bit. It's of red. all. Yeah. Okay. At Monza, maybe a little red. Maybe at Monza, but this orange smoke is at every Everywhere. goddamn race. Yep. <laughs> right. It's at every race. If this was only at at Zandvoort, yeah. fine. But the what annoys me is it's at every race. Mike, are you trying to say that Max Verstappen has fans who are a little over? No, it's McLaren, perhaps? clearly, right? Surely it's uh, yeah. McLaren fans, right? That's my favorite thing. Lando does this like every race, takes yeah. pictures of the Dutch fans. It's like, yeah. oh, McLaren fans. <laughs> oh, man. Wild, wild times. We'll, we'll be, be back live this weekend. Just yeah. a few days uh, for Zanvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix. Can we pre-tape that? I think we can pre-tape it. and we just say how Max... One by 23 seconds, and then we'll talk about Silly Season more. It'll be great. I predict a Max Verstappen DNF. Whoa! Okay. All right. We're going there. Uh, I don't... I think he'll be fine. I think he'll win by a lot. I have absolutely zero reason for this, but <laughs> just sometimes yeah. people always do worse where it matters most. Hey. I think you- of Charles Leclerc, right? Yeah. Cannot finish Monaco, you know, stuff like that, so... I'm excited. I think we've got some interesting races because I think Spa, you've got Zanvoort, Monza, all very, very different tracks. Um, uh, I'm hoping to see Leclerc actually finish a race in a podium position. That'd be a, a nice start. But um, yeah, it's going to be very spicy just a couple days away. We've got to get hyped up. got to get ready. It's going to come thick and fast now. 
We'll be back then. Don't forget, in the meantime, at Backmarkers Live on Twitter. We're Backmarkers Live for the YouTube video of the show, backmarkers.fm for the audio. Until next time, say goodbye, Austin Evans. Goodbye, and good luck to everyone who breathes in orange smoke this weekend. <laughs>